I will open up the show today by asking a very simple question, and hopefully everyone can get the answer correctly. What is better than one fat guy touchdown? What's better than one fat guy touchdown? Anyone? Anyone on the text line? Parker Thune? I, I think I know the answer. You think you know the answer? I, I feel like it's almost too obvious. Is it two fat two guy touchdowns? Two fat guy touchdowns is what's better than one fat guy touchdown. And that's what happened in the Polynesian Bowl on Friday night in Honolulu. There wasn't just one fat guy touchdown for OU signees. There were two of those. One by David Stone. One by Jaden Jackson. David Stone is the defensive MVP of the Polynesian Bowl. And there are so many things that happened this weekend, right? Um, portal visits. Baker Mayfield played. Men's and women's basketball both get big road wins. Like it, it almost seems like it's been a, an eternity since the Polynesian Bowl was played. I don't know how many people stayed up Friday night to watch it on the NFL Network, but Parker Thune, here's just another all-star game where David Stone looked like one of, if not the single best player that was out there. Yeah, he's pretty good. He's isn't pretty he? good, man. Yeah, number five overall in Rivals' final Recruiting rankings for the 2024 cycle earlier today. Yep. So, congratulations, Sooner fans. You are getting a top five player in the nation. At, 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 at defensive line. At defensive Not tackle. a quarterback like, or wide receiver or running back. A defi- something we've been waiting on for a while. Ain't How that about just it? what the doctor ordered? <laughs> Boy, some of these guesses to the only thing better than one fat guy touchdown. Uh, Greg from Lawton. <laughs> no. Um, Cherokee Sooner says Meth Zoo going 0-12 next year. That that actually, two fat guy touchdowns in the Polynesian Bowl was awesome for OU signees, but Meth Zoo going 0-12 next year is a uh, is, is a pretty good answer. I think you'd take that over two fat guy touchdowns. I, I uh, yeah, I, I think I would. I think I would. And David Stone, he was a... Uh, he was a star throughout the practices, throughout the game, but Jaden Jackson had himself a, uh, a week as well and quite the game. Rival says Oklahoma's coaching staff certainly had something to feel good about after watching the Polynesian Bowl, especially defensive tackles coach Todd Bates. Future Sooners defensive lineman Jaden Jackson was Johnny on the spot during the comeback win. The four-star recruit from IMG, by the way, of Indiana, was right in, he's at the right place at the right time throughout the game and ended up with two fumble recoveries, one of which was for a touchdown. He also combined on a pair of sacks in the game. So it wasn't just Jaden Jackson. It was David Stone. And um, look, I, I didn't need to see this happen in Honolulu to feel good about those two guys, you know, probably playing next year. But it's just I, – I just, I just guess it's more proof, Parker, that these two, especially David Stone – are, are going to be contributors on your defensive line next year. Or at least I think that that's going to be the case. I firmly believe that's the case. And like I said, I think there's a better chance that both of those guys are in the rotation than there is a chance that neither of those guys are in the rotation. Because the Sooners do have a lot of experience, and they've got decent depth there at defensive tackle amongst guys that have played snaps before. When you think about not only Dejon Terry and Jacob Lacey, but uh, a guy like Grayson Halton, for instance, that has been I, – I think he's been on the verge of taking the next step for a while now. It's just been a matter of getting him more opportunities. Ashton Sanders yep. is going to be back. Uh, you have Marcus Strong on the roster. Who am I missing? There's another upperclassman that I'm missing, and I'm just completely – Did you say Dejon Terry? I said Dejon Terry. I said Jacob Lacey. Okay. Well, that's those – I think they almost announced that they were coming back, like, what, a day or two of one another? Yeah. 
But, uh, it, but the thing is, like, it's pretty clear who the highest ceiling player is going to be on your defensive line next year. It's it's going to be David Stone. Yes. And is he going to be the best defensive line or interior defensive lineman for you immediately? Maybe not, but could he be by the end of the season? With the ceiling that that guy has, it could be. And look, man, like David Stone gets the majority of the attention, as he should. Like you said, Rivals has him as the number five player and their final rankings update for the 2024 class. But for the past few months, we've said it. The text line has said it. Everyone's under the belief that, yeah, David Stone's awesome. He's really good. But just don't sleep on Jaden Jackson, man, because they got a really, really good player with him as well from IMG. Devon Sears, that was yeah. the guy that I had neglected to mention. But he's somebody that didn't play a whole heck of a lot this past year. And, yeah, again, I think when you look at what David Stone and Jaden Jackson have done in the All-Star showcases to this point, there is a degree of confidence that both of those dudes can show up. And I don't think it's an impossibility that David Stone is a week one starter. Yeah, no, it's, I, I wouldn't like, cancel It's that not out. something I'm counting on, but what I am counting on is both of those guys playing substantial snaps for Oklahoma in the SEC next year because they're both th- that good. And Jaden Jackson came in at number 188 overall in the final recruiting rankings. I think he's still underrated, man. I do, like, too. And I think he's somebody – And he's proven that, too, yeah. amongst elite talent. That's that's the thing. And I think he's somebody that's going to show up at Oklahoma and immediately outperform – that ranking and that touting, if you will. 918 says, guys, while David Stone was impressive, I thought Jaden Jackson uh, actually played well or better on uh, Friday night in the Polynesian Bowl. Can, can you get there? I mean, they both had a touchdown. Jaden Jackson had one more fumble recovery and a couple of sacks that he was in on as well. Here's the thing. I mean, they were both really good. I, yes, and that's not the first time that we've heard a comment like that, not specifically relating to the Polynesian Bowl, but just for folks that watched some of IMG's games in the fall, there were folks saying on the text line and elsewhere, yeah, David Stone looks like he's all that, but Jaden Jackson looks every bit as good. And the fact that that is a constant conversation, Tyler, and for Jaden Jackson, the fact that he is drawing parallels to somebody that is regarded as a top five high school football player in America. It's pretty good. Yeah, that's pretty good. 918, David Stone is the number one defensive player in the country. It's time to end the discussion. Oh, I, I think he's got he's got a case for it for sure. I mean, Williams Winery, obviously, he had some nice moments in Orlando, but the way that David Stone played in Orlando, the way that he played in Honolulu, the way that he played this year, like not only is the dude really good, but he kind of lets you know that he's really good as well. Like he's he's got the attitude that I think maybe you're looking for. Maybe talk some trash, but the kid the kid really backs it up, man. So, if you want to say he's the number one defensive player in the country, I won't argue with it. And clearly, Rivals thinks that he's right there in that mix if they have him as the number five overall player in the class. There's, there's absolutely a case to be made for that. So I, And I know that everyone, not everyone, there are some still upset or concerned with the future of OUNIL. And we've talked about that. But just take a look at OU arguably got the best defensive player in this 2024 class, and it was a defensive lineman. So, so not as all, not everything is bad in terms of the players that they're getting. So they they used NIL to get David Stone. I'm sure it was a part of it. Of course it was. But he is um, he's legit, and he continues to show it, man, uh, every single time he's out there, be it Orlando, Honolulu, IMG season, whatever. And you mentioned Rivals' new rankings. 
He is a five-star. They have the new five-stars that are out. Now, you mentioned where Jaden Jackson is ranked. Um, does the final Rivals 250 come out tomorrow, or does that come out today? Because you mentioned where Jaden Jackson was at in the final rankings. You just know where he ranks already before oh, yeah. it was released guess, tomorrow. Yeah, it, if, yeah, if that is getting released tomorrow. Well, I guess I tipped everybody That's off. That's all right. There you go. Sorry. Hey, all good. Uh, Appreciate I'll, the info. Yeah, uh, I'll give you another scoop. Eugene Brooks' stock is going way well, up. Well, if he is yeah. not in the Rivals 250, like there's going to be a fight tomorrow. Uh, he he will be in the Rivals 250. He better be. Yes. Pretty high up in the Rivals 250. Uh, 405, Lacey, Sears, and Strong is Jag City. Halton and Sanders are in a prove-it or Jag contract year, LOL. Needed an impact player in the portal. Opportunity to play the young guys and get ready for 2025. So I guess uh, OU's Jag City on the defensive line outside of the newcomers. I mean, look, I I don't think Jacob. Well, I don't think Jacob Lacey will be a Jag. I thought he was kind of handicapped in 2023 by the fact that he was dealing with some pretty serious health stuff throughout most of the offseason. So I think he takes a step up. Sears, Marcus Strong, yeah, okay, admittedly, tough to imagine those guys making much of an impact. Uh, I agree with the assessment that Oklahoma could use another enforcer at defensive tackle in the transfer portal. I don't think it's something they have to have, but it's certainly something that would be a welcome addition. Oh, yeah. The issue becomes, well, A, where does that guy come from? And B, can you make the room? And that is not even... Like, that's a conversation you can't even begin to have until the spring window approaches and you get an idea of who's actually going to be in the portal. Because unless you can find a bad defensive tackle from Washington or Alabama or Arizona right now, well, you're kind of stuck in wait-and-see mode. I, did we find out? Well, we didn't find this out. But uh, Iowa was clearly staying in contact with Caden Proctor during last season. <laughs> Let that be a well, lesson, everyone. Just stay in contact if they don't pick your school, if they decommit and go elsewhere. Just stay in contact and maybe you'll uh, – I I guess I appreciate the honesty there. We knew it was happening anyway, so at least quite someone candid. said it out loud. Yeah. And you know nothing's going to happen. No, of course not. Nothing can happen. Like, there's not going to be a paper trail. So – yeah, we're just getting more and more brazen, folks, <laughs> about tampering it. in college football. I just love that. He's right there in the middle of the Iowa basketball game on Saturday. And in case you missed it, it was all over the internet on Saturday. Caden Proctor is at Iowa City, and he's doing an interview right in the middle of an Iowa basketball game. And he basically just says, yeah, you know, I mean, there were no burn bridges when I decommitted and, and signed with Alabama. In fact, they, the Iowa staff was communicating with me once I really started to struggle in the SEC. And they were telling me to, to keep my head up, everything's okay. And so, yeah, Iowa's, <laughs> Iowa staff was openly communicating with Caden Proctor during the season last year. And kudos to them because clearly it helped them get Caden Proctor back to Iowa City. Worked out for him. Not a shocker that that's going on in the sport right now. I'm t- like, <laughs> I, I, I can't believe that all went down like that though. Just because I know some of the backstory of how Caden Proctor's decommitment from Iowa and subsequent signing with Alabama happened, and suffice it to say, I'm just surprised, very surprised. 
that the Iowa staff stayed in touch with him. Like tampering or no tampering. I'm just very surprised there was continued contact there. There had to have been some inkling behind the scenes that Nick Saban was thinking about retiring. Because that is the only reason why Caden Proctor could have handled his departure from Iowa's recruiting class the way that he did, and that staff still would have reached out to him. And there were even some tweets the day that Caden Proctor entered in the transfer portal or the day that it was announced. I think Shannon Terry, he's still running on three, correct? Um, He even tweeted out that, well, this transfer was going to – Happen regardless. So I, I, there was a thought by some on the Alabama side that this kid was homesick and he wanted to go back to to Iowa or that area of the country. Like I don't, I don't know if that's factual or not. To be honest with you, so maybe the Iowa staff found that out, and I, who knows? It's just all interesting how that how that went down. Texture of the nine oh nine. Yes, NCAA is so powerless. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Th- th- this is admitted publicly, and still nothing's going to happen to Iowa. Nothing will happen to Iowa. 405-651-3439 is the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. Some portal happenings over the weekend. We'll tell you the latest on a particular visit that happened in Norman and a whole lot more. Keep it locked right here on The Ref. We're the Homeless Suter fans. Locked in with McComas and Thune, live on The Ref. We are the Homeless Suter fans. Appreciate everyone for uh, tuning in. Maybe you're a uh, off of work on this very icy Monday. And if you're still having to work outside and you're listening to us, a uh, big-time ref salute to you out there. And if you can, if you're if you're working outside today and listening to us, please hit us up on the text line what kind of job that you're doing outside. I want to give you a shout-out, 405-651-3439, because uh, like last Monday would not be – one of the fun days to be outside uh, working, but we appreciate those of you who uh, who are today. Worst weather football game you've ever had to sit through? You're outside for it. What 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 immediately comes to mind for you? Oh man, worst. While you're thinking about oh, it, for man. me, it's, it's down to the '03 Big Twelve Championship game in Kansas City. I mean, it's always cold in Kansas City and Arrowhead in December, but especially when you're getting demolished by Kansas State or 2002 against Iowa State at home, Seneca Wallace. Those would, those would be my two. What about you? Oh, gosh. So the finalists for me have to be last year in Morgantown. Oh, that looked awful. That was miserable. <laughs> last year in Lubbock sucked. Like, that was a terrible game. Um, I believe – I believe it was TCU last year that was just frigid cold and on a Friday morning, and so maybe that played into it as well. But as far as worst overall weather, I would say without question for me, it has to be West Virginia in 2022. As far as the coldest I have ever been covering a game, was it? No, it wasn't that TCU. It was West. It was West Virginia. That's what it was. It was West Virginia last year when they were in Norman, 2023. So West Virginia in 2022 was the worst weather game. Coldest I've ever been covering a game was that nighttime game against West Virginia. Like, by the end of the night, and they kicked off at 6 p.m., I want to say. So by the end of the night, we're done with post-game press conferences and player interviews and everything, and getting ready to leave, waiting on my coworkers to finish up the last of their tasks. We had gotten kicked out of the press conference room because they were getting ready for something else in there. I don't know what. Uh, but by the end of that game, Tyler, I found 
mercifully, I found a laundry vent <laughs> in the bowels of Gaylord Family Oklahoma Memorial Stadium, where it was literally like it was stand it was like standing under a giant space heater if you just stood under that laundry vent. It was the only place I could find that wasn't freezing cold. That's your spot now. That's my spot now. Right? Yeah. yeah. That's that's all you. Landon from the 405 says, working outside pumping oil wells, bring on Sooner baseball season, which I believe that starts in 25 days from today. So coming up quickly there, Landon. Sooner Co. Wetzel is feeding the cows. He's a farmer. Salute to you, Sooner Co. Wetzel. Uh, delivering mail in El Reno. Here's another from the 918. That's a mailman as well. 402, carrying mail in Lincoln, Nebraska. Last week, minus temperatures, brutal. Worst game was 2006 Big 12 Championship. And and I don't know, because um, you were growing up in Nebraska at that time, and I don't know if Nebraska fans like, did the same thing as OU fans, but I remember a lot of OU fans standing on cardboard because it was so icy <laughs> for, that, uh, for that game in Arrowhead, that 2006 Big 12 Championship game. Big Rick Owasso says, as a sports writer, I covered a December game in Goodland, Kansas nice. in 1992. Let's go. Ink froze in my pen, film froze in my camera. They gave away free hot chocolate so people wouldn't die. About 10 degrees with 30-mile-per-hour winds. Hey, Big Rick, can you get us the scoop on Lincoln Cure? I mean, I'm not even going to bother if Western Kansas is your territory. I'm, I'm glad you brought up Lincoln Cure there, and, and I'll get back to the text Never line momentarily. Time. It's Never not. I already to told you Lincoln. he's my favorite recruit for the uh, 2025 class. But I was thinking today, you know, you've got Lincoln Cure, who's arguably the best tight end in the 25 class. You've got Desan Brame, who has an OU offer. I guess Oregon was in uh, Derby, Kansas this weekend visiting him. You've got Nate Roberts. There's just so many high-level tight ends in 2025, names that we already know. Now, this could be a two, potentially three tight end take class for OU. Is this the best tight end class nationally in recent memory because the way that I'm looking at it right now dude in 2025 it's really really good really good can you can you remember a better tight end class than what this 2025 class has as far as the top end no I can't yeah I mean it doesn't it like, seem like it's like it's one of those once every 10 15 years or so it's like dang the top five that's special 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 yeah and if OU can get two of those five all day. All day, baby. Joe John Finley is going to be running circles around his dissenters. Yeah, well, he gets two out of the top five this year, and dude's probably going to be K-Ref Recruiter of the Year uh, for this year. Um, he'll have a good shot at it, at least, if you get two of the top five in this class. Jim and Casper says, 1988 OU Nebraska Norman. Freezing rain and cold, the Kings' last home game. And, of course, I uh, tweeted out the 1985 Ice Bowl today on the uh, K-Ref Sports accounts which uh, I know a lot of you remember that 1985 game. OU prevailed 13-0. Terrible weather nights that night in Stillwater, but thankfully the next game was in Miami, and uh, they go on to win the, uh, the national championship. All right, all right, Portal, real quick. We'll get back to the text line. Keep them coming, 405-651-3439. Garen Hatchett was in Norman this weekend. It's OU in Washington at this point. Yep. Either he's coming to OU or he's going back to Washington. I wouldn't expect him to visit other schools to answer that texter's question for the 918. As far as his visit with OU, yes, it went quite well. Quite well. By all accounts, no issues whatsoever. Loved his time. OU staff loved having him. The vibes were all good. The question now becomes, can Jed Fish and his staff at Washington convince the Hatchet Boys to stick around? 
Okay, so was the uh, was the younger brother, who he's the number three portal player available right now, according to ESPN. And the portal, like the 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 caliber of player, doesn't look as strong right now as what it did a week ago. But is Landon? Does he have an OU offer, or is it just Garen at this point? To the best of my knowledge, OU has not offered Landon. And Landon did not take the visit with Garen. So right now, Oklahoma is solely in pursuit of Garen. Yeah. Which you have to imagine, that's something that Jed Fish and that Washington staff are going to emphasize heavily in their recruiting pitch to both the brothers. Hey, you really want to split up? I mean, you're Washington kids. You're from the Evergreen State, born and raised here. Just stick around and stay together. Oklahoma? <laughs> That's like 1,200 miles away. You really want to be that far apart? You want to be that far away from everything you've Yes, Garrett does. Come on. Garrett needs some space. Need him on the offensive line for next year. Which, speaking of Jed Fish, did you see uh, the text that was revealed this weekend of the Arizona <laughs> donor? Appara- How I, did that text get out? I don't know. But in case you didn't see it, I, I laughed at this for a, uh, for a good while on, uh, on Saturday. Apparently, some reporter... Talked to Humberto Lopez, which is a big-time Arizona donor. Somehow got a screenshot of a text that this Arizona donor texted to Jed Fish. The text read this. You could have been a legend here in Arizona had you stayed. I went out of my way to make sure you didn't get our best players. I don't ever wish anyone bad luck, and you are the first one. You disappointed me. I thought we were friends. (laughs) <laughs> what 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 a text from uh, Arizona's biggest donor, one of Arizona's biggest donor to the former head coach. That's very strong uh, OU fans toward Muleshoe vibes, isn't it? Sheesh. Pretty fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, I guess, well, d- donors, you would have to imagine they're as pissed as anybody because they're the ones spending the money. They're the ones making the literal investments in the future of the program and so when a coach leaves they're probably about as hurt by it as anyone which you know um we we sit here a lot and say ah the nil's killing this sport that we love the transfer portal it's got to change there's got to be guardrails it's killing the sport that we love but there was actually a good college football story that came out this weekend and it's that Fafita and McMillan are both staying at Arizona. I'm not an Arizona fan by any stretch, but it kind of made me feel better about things for some reason. Yeah. That Fafita and McMillan are actually staying at Arizona. Apparently, they were both thinking about transferring to Alabama. That was the school that they were considering. Really? Fafita's dad, yeah, went on record, I think, for the 24-7 site that's out there and said Alabama was the school that they were both considering. Imagine that duo oh, boy. going to Bama. Yeah, oh, that would have been a problem. Yeah, that would have been a problem because <laughs> – Tedero, like Noah Fafita in the SEC is a good quarterback. Probably not an elite one, but definitely upper echelon. Tedaroa McMillan is probably the best wide receiver in college football next year, regardless of who he's playing. I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna disagree with that. I'm not gonna disagree with that. Victoria says, I don't work outside, but my son Luke does and listens to you. Luke works at a grocery store in the parking lot pulling in shopping carts. He has never missed work because of the cold, and he's worked in temperature negative 30 wind chills. Luke, you know you're a friend of mine. I applaud you, buddy. That's, that's awesome. Luke, don't miss work. It could be negative 30 wind chill outside, and he's still showing up. That's, that's pretty impressive. It's pretty impressive. Um, there are 25 and 26 offers galore out right now for OU, isn't there? 
seems like you just see a handful of new offers. That's I, what this time of year is for. Staff's I, getting out there, seeing guys in person. They're making offers. Any particular offer, 25 or 26, the past week caught your eye or that you found interesting? whatsoever i know there's a lot to go over yeah now i'm sifting through my mental library of who they've offered uh they offered an owasso defensive lineman yeah. in the 2026 class taj overton so looking for the next big thing in the state of oklahoma start right there and then i thought it was interesting that zach alley's first offer as linebackers coach went to Jaden Harmon out of the state of georgia so i I would imagine when he's the first guy you offer when you get to town, that means he's going to be a priority for you. We know OU and Christian Thatcher are kind of moving in different directions. You have one linebacker committed, Marcus James, and another guy that probably projects the linebacker committed in Trenay Washington. So being real scrupulous with how you recruit the linebacker position, but Jaden Harmon, no doubt, going to be a priority from Oklahoma. And you don't have to look any further than the fact that he was the very first offer for Zach Alley to know that. 918 says outdoor dashing, making sure all the fat boys get their food. There you go. <laughs> doing the Lord's work right there. Uh, doing the door dashing on a uh, cold and icy Monday. 405-651-3439 is the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. Yeah, we'll talk more about the portal. Ohio State feels like they're pushing all the chips to the middle of the table. Trying to capitalize on this year. Ryan Day, he better do big things coming up this year or else. Talk about that, everything that happened nationally over the weekend, and a lot more right here on The Ref. 405-651-3439 is the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. Locked in with McComas and Thune. Cherokee Sooners says, My worst weather game was 2014 against Kansas. Samaje's record day. It was raining cats and dogs in stupid cold. Yes, we make the joke all the time on The Rush that um, – 20,000 people were actually in the stands when Samaje broke the record, but about 150,000 OU fans claimed that they were still in the stadium the moment that Samaje uh, ended up breaking the single-game record. But, yeah, that was uh, that one was tough as well, Cherokee Sooner, if, uh, if you couldn't find any cover. CD from Hockley and Empire Will bring up, we were having the uh, discussion about the tight end class in 2025, says just think Devon Mitchell was once in the 2025 class as well. That is true before he reclassified. Oh, man, so that class could have been even better. It's already legendary, potentially. Devon Mitchell was a five-star in 2025 before he he reclassified, right? Yes. Jeez. Which, actually, that – the reclassification of Devon Mitchell, just, like, numbers-wise or what you can get out of this 2025 class – it feels like that could end up working out pretty well for OU. Yes, you it know, could. because yeah. you you get him in this year, and now you can take two, maybe three, if you're lucky, in 2025. Now Devon Mitchell, all on its own, that's a hell of a get. It is, but it just puts you in a spot now where you can have him for 24. And if you get Desan Brame and Lincoln Cure or Nate Roberts or whoever else, that puts you in a really good position moving forward with your tight end depth. I mean, this this has a chance if if Joe John can get two out of the top five, six tight ends in the 2025 class, you've had good tight end play really ever since Bob Stoops got here in 1999 and before that as well. Like OU's had really good tight end play over the years, but if you're able to get two top five, top six tight ends in, in 25, you could have some tight end depth on campus that you haven't had in a while, dude. You don't even need wide receivers at that point. Just yeah, line, just line up four tight ends. 
be sweet. Lincoln Curtis on Brame, Nate Roberts, Devon Mitchell, all the way across. Put it back out there, round it out. You're set. Hey, it's an idea. Four tight ends said Oklahoma. Just do the uh, the tush push with uh, with Jackson Arnold every single play. <laughs> you, you get that level of tight end. Go play action off of it. Throw a deep ball to somebody. Uh, tw- t- uh, from the 240, 2016 and 2018 at West Virginia were just cold and snowy. Basically, every single time OU plays West Virginia, the weather sucks, is what I'm gleaning from the text line. And it hadn't really occurred to me until now that that was the case. But now, the more I'm thinking about it, the more I'm like, yeah, yeah. Feels like the you only play out half, there in November a lot, too. Yeah, the only half-decent weather that I can recall for an OU-West Virginia game was 2019 when they came to Norman and got it put on them by Jalen Hurts and company. Austin Stogner had his first collegiate touchdown that day. Really? On a recovery of a blocked punt. Yep. Uh, but, yep. In the, uh, what was that, the north end zone, I think, correct? Yep. What's, what is that, uh, what location is that going to be in the SEC? Like West Virginia. Every single time you go there, the weather's just going to be awful. Kentucky? Missouri, God, oh. it's gonna be Missouri, isn't it? Missouri, <laughs> like it's already gonna be like, oh God, I'm in Columbia, Missouri. First off, and then it's just gonna be terrible weather every time you go up there. Great, Missouri in November. Yeah, that's probably gonna suck. It's probably gonna suck. Probably just gonna be dry, cold, and windy. Yeah. Uh, Caleb Downs to Ohio State. That yeah. shocked uh, everyone on Friday night. Caleb Downs, the Highest-ranked portal player that's been in the portal this cycle. You don't seem like you're all that surprised, though, that Downs no, ended I, up I, at Ohio State. I mean, I'm really not, and maybe maybe ignorance is bliss with regard to that whole process. Maybe I'm not that surprised just because I didn't have any set expectations of where he was going to end up. But it does make sense because Georgia and Ohio State were kind of the two programs right off the bat that everybody figured, okay, he's going one of those two places. And – I don't know, like going from going from Alabama to Georgia. I don't know. Maybe I'm completely oversimplifying this, but it felt like going from Alabama to Georgia would make you a lot of enemies. And Ohio State, you know, I'm, maybe it's not an equally attractive destination, but it's pretty darn close. You know, you're going to have the opportunity to play a ton of football there and be the dude on the defensive side of the ball for that program. Yeah, I mean, I. Again, I was not tracking this recruitment in any meaningful sense. But when I found out that it was going to be Georgia or Ohio State, I was kind of thinking, okay, Ohio State makes more sense. Yeah. I, uh, I'm i sure they had a very – as did Georgia, but it kind of feels like Ohio State's going all in on this year, doesn't it? They get Julian yep. saying over the weekend as well. So here's what it feels like to me at Ohio State, okay? They get the new AD – and, all right, Michigan just won the national championship. Oh, my gosh. We, we can't beat our biggest rival. They've got our number. And then they go win the national championship. We've got to strike back and regain momentum. So let's go all in, man. Let's go get the best defensive player in the portal. Let's go get the top-ranked quarterback in the 24 class in the portal. Ryan Day, we're going all out for you, buddy. Here it is. Well, well, we're giving you everything you need, and if you don't do it this year, then we'll be looking for a new head coach I next year. I was about to say, maybe that's maybe that's the goal, is to figure out whether Ryan Day is indeed the guy to carry your program into the future in the long term, because if you give him all the pieces and he can't cash it in for a championship, with how much Buckeye fans have already grown impatient with Day and his staff, 
and how many changes were essentially forced upon him this offseason, yeah, I would figure this is kind of Ryan Day's shot to either prove he is the guy for the job or that he's not the guy for the job. And he's doing it with Bill O'Brien as his right-hand man. <laughs> yeah. They, they had such a good week, man. Caleb Downs, Julian Sayan. Of course, they got Quinshawn Judkins as well a couple of weeks back. But Bill O'Brien, old Bob himself, is going to be uh, going to be the OC next year. Oh, boy. We'll see how it works out for Ohio State, but a ton of pressure on them next year. By the way, when Julian's, uh, excuse me, when Caleb Downs committed to Ohio State, it did warm my, my heart a little bit. And I told you this before the show today that, and we deal with a lot of different text. What's that's fine? Different opinions. We love it on the text line, though. We've had Todd Bates hater on the text line. Joe John's gotten some crap from time to time. Beedenbow gets his fair share. I I did love to see a, a reaction from Georgia fans, at least a few, that says, "Ah, Kirby can't close. This is just more proof that Kirby Smart just can't close. He's not a real closer." That was nice to see that it's every fan base out there that thinks that about the head coach that they can't close. I, I legitimately don't think there is a single program in college football that actually likes their coach. Maybe Kentucky and Mark Stoops before he flirted with A&M. But now at this point, it's like, okay, who does like who is popular amongst their fan base? Chris Kleiman, I guess? Actually, the state of Kansas has Kleiman and Leipold. They're, they're, they're yeah. really well off. Uh, Jay in Tulsa says, just a reminder, guys, Columbia, Missouri, anytime sucks. And I will uh, retweet that. Yes. Very very well said, Jay in Tulsa. Uh, 918, sitting through a 73-21 Nebraska massacre in 1996. The weather was cold, but the score made the wind index negative 40. <laughs> 405, the new AD is from A&M. Are we surprised by Ohio State? Ah, Good that's points. right. Ross Bjork got there and was like, all right. Let's open up the pocketbook, folks. Six two zero. My most miserable was the O three Big Twelve Championship game in Kansas City. I was on the fifty yard line, but at the top of the stadium, oof! In the thirty thirty five mile per hour wind, sticking it out till the bitter end. I saw a, a man during that game, an OU fan in the concourse. This is back when this is back in the golden age when they actually gave out ticket stubs. I really miss those days when ticket stubs were a thing. I saw an OU fan at halftime light a ticket stub on fire in the concourse of uh, Arrowhead Stadium. Yeah, it was it was that kind of night there in uh, in Kansas City. The most miserable I've ever been for a football game as well. The game itself and the weather combined. No, don't want to relive uh, that I one just, ever. I really hope the five seconds of warmth from that ticket stub was worth <laughs> it for that guy. Yeah. At least you got something out of it. I just... Wasn't a, wasn't a great night. 405-651-3439 is the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. More text to get to, more crouton as well, right here on The Ref. Final segment of Locked In with McComas and Thune. Dorsey Jones, Buick GMC, bringing you this hour. Dorsey Jones is family-owned and operated, established in 2020, but many of their employees have been there for more than 20 years. Their low-pressure environment creates an enjoyable experience for everyone, and their sales staff is knowledgeable and eager to assist you before and after the buying process. They have all of that and incredible pricing as well. Dorsey Jones, Buick GMC in El Reno. Texas just had its junior day this past weekend. They got a couple commits out of that. Uh, Missouri had its junior day as well. I think that's what was going on. Michael Fasusi was there. Tristan Haynes was there. Heard you telling Steely what Fasusi had to say about the uh, Missouri mm-hmm. visit. 
Mm-hmm. 100 out of 10? What, what, what did he say? 100, 100 out of 10 wouldn't be good enough. Jeez. <laughs> it's felt like it's OU in Texas for Michael Fasusi. Yeah. Does that comment make you think that Mizzou's literally legitimately in the game? 100 out of 10? I mean, look. Doesn't do like, it justice we, on the visit? Here, consider for a moment. We're dealing with a five-star here. This recruitment is likely going to evolve drastically over the next few months. So is it OU Texas right now? Has it been for a while? Yes, but, I mean, look no further than williams Winery is a prime example, right? OU was kind of the one constant contender in his recruitment, but Missouri was the other school in February, and then it was – Tennessee by March and Oregon by April and Georgia by May and then Tennessee again and then Georgia again and then boom it's Missouri at the end so when you're dealing with five stars this is part of the reason and look folks on the OUN have felt very strongly about their chances with Michael Fasusi for quite some time but I despite as much smoke as there has been I have not issued a prediction and probably won't for quite a while it's because, once again, when you are dealing with five stars, so much can change this far out from when their decision ultimately comes. And we don't know what, what the decision timeline is going to be for Michael Fasusi yet. But any way you slice it, I don't think we're close to finding out the outcome, and I think there's a lot that remains to be decided. Uh, yeah, so big recruiting weekend at Texas, big recruiting weekend at Missouri, big recruiting weekend at Ohio State, and this isn't a huge surprise, but Nate Roberts took the Ohio State visit. He'll be at OU this weekend for OU's Junior Day, Oregon the following weekend. Not a surprise that's not a surprise, but a good sign he's not committed to Ohio State after the crystal ball a week ago. Yeah, I mean, I again, I think we're quite a ways out from that decision as well, so... Oklahoma's going to have their chances. They'll have their opportunities to impress the kid, as will everyone else. He's going to hear everybody out. He's going to make an informed and deliberate decision. But once again, that's where we go back to the depth in the tight end class in 2024. Obviously, Nate Roberts is Oklahoma's top priority at the position. But if he elects to go elsewhere, you are not without recourse. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, OU's Junior Day coming up this weekend, and we'll talk more throughout the week about the big-time visitors that will be on campus. Hint, in case you don't know, there will be several big-time visitors on campus. This is the first big recruiting weekend for OU in the 2024 calendar year. But what about what about commits? Like, will, will OU have all nine commits at Junior Day this weekend, or who are some of the bigger commits that OU has that will be at Junior Day this weekend? So uh, there are seven of the nine that are confirmed attending. Jaden Nickens won't be there because of basketball, which makes sense. I mean, he's he's balancing yeah. a busy schedule. And then Grayson Harris is, as of yet, unconfirmed. But the other seven are going to be there. No question about it. So you've got the vast majority of your nucleus there, and you'll be able to have those guys spread the propaganda – to the uncommitted visitors that are going to be taking Kevin out. Sperry, Kevin Sperry in his natural habitat, trying to uh, recruit others to uh, to join the class. CD from Hockley says new on three Heisman odds are out. Gabriel is at three. Jackson Arnold is at eight. Yeah, Gabriel's going to be pretty high in uh, preseason Heisman list. He's good, and people think Oregon's going to be pretty good as well next year. They get Ohio Imagine State this. at home. Imagine this. I tell you, last year at this time. 
Dylan Gabriel will be throwing passes to Evan Stewart. Yeah, that just in 2024. It's weird, man, isn't it? But not at the University of Oklahoma. There will be an O in the name, though. It'll be uh-huh. UO, not uh, not OU. Mike in Springfield says Tyler I attended both the 2000 Big 12 title game and the 1985 Ice Bowl game in Stillwater. Not even close. 1985 was worse. Yeah, there's stories of people sitting on the bleachers in the 1985 Ice Bowl. They try to get up and, and they're stuck. They can't. Their clothes are stuck. <laughs> their pants are stuck to the the bleachers there at the old Rustoleum in Stillwater. Jeez. But hey, OU won both those games that Mike was at. We've come a long way since then. 909 for the state of California. Ryan Day has never lost more than two games in a year, but fire him? Silly. Well, if you're the head coach at Ohio State University and you lose three in a row to Michigan, I don't care how successful you've been. That alone will put you on the hot seat with those folks. Yeah. What's the uh, old John Cooper? They fired him once upon a time. Couldn't beat Michigan. So, yeah, I mean, he's- I mean, like. What- wouldn't you do the same if you were an OU? Like, let's say Brent Venables had double-digit wins in his first three seasons, but he lost to Texas every single year. You would be upset. Yeah. You would consider that unacceptable. Yeah. I, Mac won 10 games for a long time, but he couldn't beat OU for a stretch. Now, he never lost his job over it, but Texas fans were really pissed about it for a uh, long period of time. I don't know if that's an apples-to-apples apples comparison necessarily, but he, he needs to beat Michigan, and he needs to do it this year. Dante Cephas committed to Kansas State over the weekend. Blast from the past. Yeah, yeah. So we'll see what uh, K-State can do with that, with their young quarterback that they're so excited about. That'll do it for Locked In. The Rush is coming up next. Keep it locked on the ref.